everybody, and welcome to this episode of the I Hate Matt Wall Poetry Podcast, where today we are going to be going over an article on Vice.com called Bad Poetry is Everywhere. Unfortunately, people love it. So we're going to be talking about that shit show, which is going to be kind of fun. There are a couple things that I want to go over real quick. I want to say that um, I'm going to try to do something a little better for here on out. A few episodes ago, called Nominal Thoughts and Comments or something like that. I can't remember what episode number it was. But it was basically me talking for like uh, 45 minutes. When I recorded that episode... I talked for like, it was like an hour and a half or something like that. And I cut it down to 45 minutes because I was just talking a bunch of shit and I was talking all over the place. But when I cut the episode up and put it together, I did not put any like musical bumpers or any visual cues to let you know like time had passed. And some of you are going, who fucking cares? What are you talking about? Well, the reason why it's bothering me is that, like, there were some things that I said on that episode and then cut straight into me talking about Matthew Buckley Smith. When I listened to it, it made me think I was talking about him, like, earlier when I wasn't talking about him. And then all of a sudden, suddenly I'm, like, not afraid to throw him under the bus and I start talking shit on him. And that's not at all how I meant that to sound. So I reached out to him and I let him know that I'm like, hey, dude, on this next episode, I think it kind of sounds funny, but, you know, I listened to it after I put it up, so, like, ooh... And he was totally fucking cool. And he's like, oh, dude, don't even fucking worry about it. Like, he's like, I want poetry people to talk freely about shit. And I appreciate him saying that even though, like, that's not what I... He was a fucking doll about it. I'm making a promise to all of us here that if I do an episode like that again, which this episode could actually turn into, but if I do an episode like that again, if... I'm talking about something, and then I'm talking about something else. I'll put something in there to where you know that something different has happened. And it'll probably be the... And that's it. You know what I'm saying? Some more things. It's June. Lots of things happening in June. A, it's Pride Month. So um, a bunch of homophobic assholes are going to fucking feel all uncomfortable for a whole month and like feel like it's their job to fucking shit on the whole fucking planet. So that's awesome. But in other news, it's fucking Pride Month. So fucking be proud, everyone out there. I mean, I guess it comes with the territory, but it pisses me off that Pride Month has turned into trying to educate homophobes instead of it's fucking pride, go fucking be happy, do your fucking thing. Other than that, there is some big news because June is also the first month that Poetic Anarchy Press goes like full full out. Like it is now officially begun. Okay. Let me just give you a little taste of what's going on and what you guys need to go get. Let us bleed. 
chapbook with me and Bunny Wild. Look at that glitter paper. It's like Dorothy's fucking shoes. Oh, God, Pride Month, look at me go. Okay, that's pretty awesome. All right, so there's that. Blood Rag, issue 12, out now. You can download it for free. We got poems from Shaylin Marks, Bunny Wild, Rich Boucher, Chasey Delaney, Adam Crawford, and me, Mitt Wool. There you go. Blood Rag, out now. I just got hit up letting me know that um, the Blood Rag's been plastered all over um, Chinatown in D.C. yesterday. And um, then I let them know. I'm like, oh, that's so funny because I just plastered it all over downtown L.A. and in Koreatown yesterday. Hopefully I will have um, pictures of these. All right. And then next up, Extra Extra, the new chapbook of the rest of the extra poems that um, came out of Winner Your Mom Saw Me Prize for Poetry. This is an all newsprint chapbook and it's only $5.00. At my Etsy shop. And the funny thing is, I put this out... When did I put it up? It was like two days ago I put it out. I got an email saying, hey, I went to your store to get extra extra and I couldn't find it. And I'm like, that's fucking weird. And so I just figured like, I don't know, like Etsy was fucking up. And then I got a second one saying, hey, do I order extra extra from you? Because I thought it was on your Etsy shop. And I'm like, what the fuck's going on here? So I went on Etsy and then it was on my Etsy shop. And so I wrote everyone back with the actual link of this book. And um, I don't know what the fuck happened, but um, I've never had that before where like people were like, yeah, it was just there and I couldn't find it. So yeah, so as we all know, um, June 15th, my book comes out. When are your mom sodomy prize for poetry? But what I really wanted to show you guys was this. A bloodshed review number one with... Shaylin Marks, Mindy Simmonson, Jeff Taylor. Um, this is the fucking zine, dude. This is the little mag. And this also has Shaylin's um, Fornicating with the Elements little center section chapbook. And then there was some room and I threw a poem in there. I wasn't going to, and now I feel like a douchebag that I did, but I fucking did it, so whatever. So anyway, Bloodshed Review. Um, it's not out yet, but I this is the finished copy. Um, I'm going to do a live stream here in a little bit where I um, do all the collating and stapling of that. Um, I'm going to do the numbering of Extra Extra, and then I'm going to be doing the um, signing and numbering for um, Winner Your Mom Saw Me Prize for Poetry. And then for um, all y'all who um, supported the campaign, the stickers and the 8x10s I should be getting this week. I'm going to send your books to you regardless, but the stickers and the 8x10s I should be getting this week. And then those of you who wanted me to write your mom a letter... I'm going to have to hit you up and ask you, like, what you want me to say to your mom. And then for those of you who uh, wanted the audiobook, I will be recording the audiobook on June 9th and 10th. So um, hopefully that will be done that weekend and there won't be a whole lot of editing to do. So hopefully by... I don't know, I guess by June 15th, um, the day that the book goes on sale for everybody, all of the stuff will be taken care of. 
goddamn fucking show. Now that I'm feisty as fuck, let's get into this fucking article so I could fucking really fucking cut some fuckers. Bad poetry is everywhere. Unfortunately, people love it. Social media's got a lot to answer for when it comes to terrible verse clogging up your brain. Oh my god. And this is by the the brilliant Shivani Dubly. Okay, Shivani Dubly. Um, you have a lot to answer for as it comes to being the fucking arbiter of the fucking world here. And some of us might be going, hey, calm down, you know, like, you talk shit on bad poetry too, Matt. Duh, 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 duh. I do. And I will say, there's some stuff in this article that actually, like, doesn't bother me at all. And I agree with. So... Before I get mad, I and again, I know Shivani probably didn't come up with the title of this article. The um, clickbait fuckers at Vice came up with it. And Shivani probably didn't come up with the little tagline for this article. The um, shitsters at Vice probably fucking came up with it. So let's see this great picture it's got. Oh, look at this. Torn hearts mend softly. And um, for those of you not watching the video version of this, it's this tacky, um, although I do like the kind of neon green and neon pink color thing, but it's, um, I think they were hoping that this would be a woman, but it's some dude with hairy arms and writing with a quill and pen and ink, but guess what? There's nothing on the paper. Oh my god, fucking people drive me crazy. There are going to be a lot of absolutes that Shivani puts down on this, okay? And so, this is why I fucking hate articles. And this is why I hate fucking essays. Because how these things work... And when you read articles, check this out and see if this is a thing. What happens is, these fucking douchebags make a bunch of absolutes at the beginning of this fucking thing that aren't really based on anything other than their own opinion. And then you read this, and you read the first couple sentences, and then you're like, oh, okay, these are the absolutes. So now we can continue with this article. Vice is filled with so many fucking ads, because that's how this person's going to get paid, probably, that it's fucking annoying. Okay, so poetry is an art form built on nuance. Doesn't have to be. It's not. It can be, if you want it to be, but it doesn't have to be. So when they do poetry is, their little equal sign there, they're already fucking lying to you right out of the gate, okay? So poetry is an art form built on nuance. In the past, people thought of it as the kind of thing with hidden depths, meanings, subtext, something that appreciative readers felt touched them deeply. This is all opinion from fucking whoever the fuck wrote this article. I already forgot their fucking name. Okay, okay. In the past, 100 years ago, this is what people thought of poetry. In the past, people also thought um, women were witches, so they would drown them. In the past, people also thought um, homosexuals should be put in mental hospitals. In the past, people also thought that black people were slaves. In the past, lots of things were thought. That doesn't fucking mean that that is how everything should always go forever and ever and ever. In the past, people thought cave paintings were the best kind of art there was because that's all there was. 
Oh my fucking god. I love these people who are like, hey, guess what? A hundred years ago, three hundred years ago, eight thousand years ago, things were better. I, I just want to fucking build a time machine, take all these fucking people who want to fucking live in draconian fucking times, throw them in there, fucking break the fucking thing off so they can't come back, and just send them the fuck out. Fucking Neanderthals, dude. You never really understood a poem at first glance. Maybe that was the beauty of it. Now check this out. So people thought of it as a kind of thing with hidden depths, hidden meanings, subtext, or they thought of poems as very straightforward, simple things that said beautiful things simply. Oh, but they're not talking about that. They're talking about a specific type of poetry that is difficult and tricky and again people who like this kind of poetry like crossword puzzles they like sudoku they like fucking find a word they're the ones that buy those giant fucking stupid notebook crossword things at the grocery store impulse buy item they just want to play games and have fun these people also um, are full of lies and deception and like keeping shit hidden i could fucking psychoanalyze the fuck out of you if you want me to right now so be careful when you like start putting all of these ridiculous things onto poetry when really you're just talking about yourself and you feel like shit because now poetry is very open and in order for you to succeed in it, you have to fucking shed your skin and you don't want people to see what's under there because I'm guessing there's not a whole lot there. Okay, moving right along. You never really understood a poem at first glance. Why, are you fucking stupid? Like, you went to school for this, right? You're really smart at this, right? You paid all this money to go to fucking school. Years and years at school. And you don't know what a fucking poem means at first glance? I'd ask for my fucking money back. Or maybe you just didn't do very well in school. Maybe that was the beauty of it. Maybe. When they say maybe that was, they're trying to tell you... That was the beauty of it. This is what I miss. Bullshit. Okay. But over the decades, something changed. <laughs> I'm so mad that I... that I'm so mad that there's no segregation anymore. I'm so mad. Oh my god, this is so fucking stupid. But over the decades, something changed. Today, much of the verse we see, especially on social media, feels simple, downright simplistic. My question to you, it's a big question, so put on your big boy panties. So, so the fuck what? I'm just going to say this right now. There are hundreds of years of very confusing and ridiculous poetry that you'll never know if you actually know the right thing that it's talking about and all this other fucking shit. You will never know. So why don't you just shut the fuck up? And read all of your archaic poetry and feel good about it instead of bitching about what people are doing on the internet. Hey, let me ask you this. Instead of writing stupid fucking articles, why don't you write fucking the poetry that you like? That's fucking interesting. You can fucking do that because I'm going to fucking give you another little thing. You saying that social media poetry isn't very good? It's not a hot take. This would have been a hot take in like 2014 or something like that. But this right now, 2023, you saying this, nobody cares. The funny thing is, you can't make a dime off your poetry, so you're fucking trying to make a nickel 
off of your fucking stupid ass fucking article on a site that has more ads than fucking going to fucking Times Square, dude. Fucking stupid. Goodbye, nuance. Farewell, rereading and reflection. Okay, let me just say this. If something simple you can't reread again, maybe that just shows a little bit about you. Hearing something simple and beautiful doesn't mean you can't hear that over and over again. But you're not into what it actually means. You're into the game of trying to figure it out. And chances are you're going to be wrong. Now, this is when I knew who I was dealing with here. Shitty maudlin poems that scan like live, laugh, love for the TikTok generation. Some of you might be going, what does that mean? Here's the deal. The term scan is a term that formal poets use to figure out the meter of a poem. Okay? I didn't even know what that fucking was until Matthew Buckley Smith was on my show one time and started talking about it. I'm like, oh, what's that? I don't know what that is. Scan, I don't know what that means. So this person is obviously upper echelon formal poet, okay? So right there, we already know that this whole article is going to be biased bullshit. And the only reason why I'm throwing fucking names and saying fucking hard shit right now to this person whose name I can't even remember again, um, Doobie. I remember last name, so Doobie. Is because, hello, shitty. Okay, guess what? Like, you're not going to believe this, but there's a lot of formal poetry out there that I think is shitty and that you think is shitty. Live, laugh, love for the TikTok generation. Okay, live, laugh, love. That movie, book, whatever. That's like, what, like 15, 20 years old. Um, TikTok generation, like having a hard time like with new social media and all this other shit. So I'm assuming this is a middle-aged person. So what this screams like is just somebody who's sad that time has passed them by and they're not as cool as they once thought they were. So this article is really more of a reflection of how fucking unimportant Doobie thinks they are in today's world. So let's just fucking sit on that a little bit. Now, bad poetry is everywhere. No shit. It's also in your fucking notebook. Um, overlaid across day-in-the-life videos and god-awful affirmation Instagram posts and decorated framed Etsy prints and twee bookmarks. They're even in bank commercials and Coke ads. Wow, it really sounds like that you watch a lot of TV. Doobie. Maybe you should... Just stick to reading your poetry. And, you're, and I mean, God, you're on fucking YouTube. You're on TikTok. You're on Instagram. How do you ever have time to fucking write poems when you're doing all this other shit? It's fucking crazy. I mean, there's only 24 hours in a fucking day. How do you fucking have the time to do all this? <sighs> okay, so again, they're just upset. Now, here's the deal. The god-awful affirmation Instagram posts. Okay, now there are I've talked shit on this, too. It's so funny because this is like kind of the same thing that like that whole like chicken soup for the soul kind of thing was that I'm sure formal poets bitched about when that was a fucking thing. Like before that, just like those like little bathroom books that were just like each page said something nice to make you feel good about yourself kind of thing. If anyone's ever been in a bathroom like that. 
oh, guess what? This fucking brainiac here is gonna gonna coin a term that's never been coined before. Call it the rupee cower effect. Fucking idiot. The 30-year-old Indian Canadian's poetry started gaining traction after 2014. So, again, why do you think you just came up with something cool? When she exploded onto the literary scene with her self-published poetry collection, Milk and Honey, it became a New York Times bestseller in 2017 and has been a staple there ever since. Wow, so there is some popular poetry out there and you're upset about it. Wonderful. This is like the the most like original thing I've ever seen in my life. This is the first time I've ever heard of a formal poet being upset that Rupi Cower is popular. Fucking crazy. Oh, and look, we even have a poem here from Rupi Cower from um, Rupi's Instagram. It says, I'm careful about who I spend my energy on. I know my worth, Rupi Cower. And then there's a drawing of... Uh, the backside of a woman whose butt has turned into leaves and whose spine has turned into maybe a flower. I don't fucking know. I don't know. Do I think Rupi Cower's artwork is more intricate than her poetry? Probably. Okay? But that's okay. But here's the thing. The reason why I think that Rupi Cower blew up and a lot of other Insta-poets have not is because of what happens next. And I don't think... Um, this article actually talks about this, but this is how Rupee like got into the hearts of what was that? 4.5 million followers. Okay. So if you are an Insta poet or if you are a poet who posts on Instagram and you want more followers, you want more likes, do this thing that I'm about to show you down here in the comments, not the comments, but the description of this Insta thing. Rupee does more of a poem here than in the image. It says, do you feed them? Do they feed you? Do you give and they take and take? Do you always walk away feeling empty? Any kind of relationship, if it's going to be successful, has to work both ways. Double heart emoji. This is page 80 from homebody that right there is why rupee cower is popular not because of i'm careful about who i spend my energy on dot 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 forever i know my worth it's this asking the reader do you feel like this is happening this is just fucking good salesmanship this is just marketing 101 finding a need and addressing it Oh, but that's too tricky for these fucking people who want their poetry so fucking vague that, like, you know, it takes them days and days and days to figure it out. Okay. Though Cower's work was critiqued by many from the get-go, it was, at one point in the 2010s, impossible to escape Instagram or Snapchat stories featuring her poetry. I'll, I'll, I'll disagree. I've been on Instagram since Instagram's been a thing. And I've been into poetry since Instagram's been a thing. And I didn't know who Rupi Cower was until, like, I got into, like, the podcast world with poetry. So, <laughs> this guy. It's artfully placed, but basic lines easily parsed by the average English language reader. 
Okay, so this person is not only trying to fucking tell you that this is stupid, but that you're a fucking idiot. Jesus fucking Christ, this person. Slotting easily between Instagram posts of wellness smoothies and influencers channeling goopy Gwyneth Paltrowness. This person who wrote this, Doobie, hates the modern world with a passion that is fueled by the fire of a million suns. This is sad. This reads just like midlife crisis, angry man yelling at kids to get off his lawn, screaming at clouds. This is sad. Um, best of all, they're short. Each poem in Milk and Honey averages around three to five lines. And you know, when Doobie was typing this out, like, they were snickering like crazy. Like, <laughs> best of all, oh my God, at least I don't have to read this all day when I get mad about it. <laughs> this is what this means, too, in case you guys didn't know. Each poem in Milk and Honey averages around three to five lines. I want you guys to understand something here. Doobie purchased Milk and Honey. Doobie has Milk and Honey on their bookcase, probably on their coffee table or desk since they're writing this. Doobie has been trying to figure out how come Ruby Cower's popular and I'm not. Doobie missed the whole thing where it wasn't the poetry, it was the connection with readers that came in the fucking description of the post. Fucking idiot, dude. Ugh. Okay, we got some quotes here. Now, this is where I think the article gets a little bit better. I believe we've seen a shift towards oversimplification in poetry because of our increasingly limited attention spans, says Dominique Middleton, author and associate strategist at content firm Code Word Agency. If the whole poem can't fit in the one-by-one -one Instagram frame, a tweet or within a 30-second TikTok, it likely will miss fame. I think it's a full-on culture shift to which poetry has also acclimated. Now, I'm going to say this. I think Doobie thought this quote was like a burn on those stupid Insta-poets. But this is from somebody, a strategist of content or at the content firm Covert Agency. They are just telling you the God's honest truth about how society is right now. Okay, so we could either figure out a way to make what we do as poets work in this world, or we could be like Doobie and bitch about it, sit in a fucking corner with our thumb up our ass, sucking the other thumb, maybe switching them out every once in a while when the taste doesn't get good, and just be mad. And go, how am I going to re-educate the population that this shitty poetry that very few people liked in the first place is good poetry? Minimalism, often referenced but barely understood. Okay, so this is also, oh god, they are so fucking full of themselves, dude. Because this is fucking stupid. Minimalism, often referenced but rarely understood. Because Doobie understands this. And everyone else does not, okay? might be part of the reason why people are drawn to these short poems. Their brevity is equated with minimalistic chicness, the poetic equivalent of the clean girl aesthetic, though few of these basic verses have much to do with the artistic abstraction 
that's key to minimalism. Wow. So, because there's no abstraction, there is no minimalism. So, my thought here is, none of these Instapoets have said they are minimalists, okay? Which is an art form, okay? No one has said that. Doobie is putting that on them, so then Doobie could show you that they are bad at what they do because there isn't any abstraction in their minimalism. But the problem is, is that none of these people have said they're minimalists. And on top of that, the idea of minimalism in today's world is not about the art form as much as it is, is about a way of life. I'm living a minimalist lifestyle. I got rid of all my shit. Everything is fucking cut and clean. Blah, 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 blah. This is a argument. This is a straw man argument. Like, they're creating something that is not real and that no one ever did for them to tell you that they don't do it right. So back to this. The oversimplification corresponds directly with the fact that poetry can now be instantly produced and shared in front of a ready audience, says someone, author, poet, and brand strategist. Since numbers are all that matter here, the minute you have anyone, whether discerning or not, consuming it, and considering it poetry, you have a following. In this cycle of ease and access, the barrier to entry is lowered. Any form of quality check is naturally thrown out of the equation. The problem here is, I'm fucking tired of people saying this. I think that what this person is saying is actually good, but they act like there is no form of quality control. There is a form of quality control. If it resonates with people or not. Because you could look at Rupi Cower's poetry. 4.5 million views. Or follows. Okay? There are tons of Instapoets who have seven followers and three likes. Why? If what you're saying, all they have to do is put it there and then they gain a following. Like, what the fuck? This doesn't make any sense. It's not because of how easy it is. You still have to engage your audience and build a fucking base. This is so fucking stupid that people just assume this. Oh my god. And why am I defending Instapoets right now? Fuck. Before the advent of social media, it was relatively difficult for up-and-coming poets to access publishers and gain access. I don't think it was hard for them to access publishers, because tons of them did. They wrote them letters. Boom. And this is just talking about social media. So they were sending emails. Boom. What do you want? Gaining success is a whole different thing. Now, thousands of people share their work on TikTok under hashtag poetry community and hashtag poetry is not dead. Suddenly, anyone can post their creations online and call themselves a poet. Oh, God. Okay, Doobie, what the fuck does it matter to you if someone calls themselves a poet? What is your fucking problem? Does this keep you up at night? Who fucking cares what somebody calls themselves? This is the same kind of argument that's like, like this person's trans and they want me to call them so-and-so now. I can't fucking do this. It's fucking stupid. Who cares? Why does it fuck your life up if someone wants to call themselves a poet? Quit worrying about what other people are doing and just write better poems. If you think the poetry you write is superior, 
prove it. Show me your poetry's better. Because I'm telling you right now, I bet it's not. And that's why you have resorted to writing clickbaity fucking shit show articles on fucking sites like Vice. Okay, so they think this is some pretty awful poetry. TikTok, new gen poets like um, Eliza Grace have grown increasingly popular while simultaneously being accused of plagiarism. It's going to be really hard. I, I'm going to say this because like um, Ruby Cower has been accused of plagiarism too. When you only have like fucking two lines in a poem that have like maybe like six words in them. Yes, like being accused of plagiarism will probably happen. My problem with Insta poetry, I've said this before and I'll say it again. There is no voice in Insta poetry. Everyone sounds exactly the same because they're saying really quick little things and then they're trying to get people to relate with those things. So the best way to make something relatable is to make something as broad as possible that would reach as many people as possible. When you do this, your voice diminishes. That's my problem with Insta poetry. I wouldn't give a shit if someone was writing affirmation poems, if they did it in their voice. And the only way to do that would probably be to write a longer poem. And this reductive style of poetry is bleeding into other parts of pop culture not least in the seemingly endless, endless streams of spoken word, slam poetry-infused advertisements. Dude, this person spends way too much time not writing poetry. This is fucking stupid. This is fucking stupid. Many new-gen social media poets follow the formats used so successfully by Cower, breaking up basic sentences into digestible phrases spacing them oddly on the page or screen, and using italics and bold type to suggest intricacy and thoughtfulness. That's not what it is. You s the poem is the poem. The poem gets the reader's attention, gets the person to stop scrolling and to look. What is said underneath it? That is the fucking hook. Someone talking to someone who needs a certain thing. Like, do you feel this way? And the person reading it goes, yes, I do. You do feel this way. So then maybe blah, blah, blah. It's in my new book. Okay. Yeah. Like italics to suggest like thoughtfulness and bold type. Wow. Brilliant. Like you fucking nailed it. Like, yeah, I bet that's, you know what? I bet if you polled a bunch of people who just read Insta poetry and you were to say, what is it about Insta poetry that really draws you in? They would go. God damn it, I think it's the words in italics. That really fucking hits hard. Like, it could be any word. It could be dog or carrot or Volkswagen. When I see those words in italics, I'm just like, oh, shit. That's thoughtful. I think bad poetry gets further today and seems more prevalent because of the ease of internet self-publishing and independent publishing options, says Leah Nicole Bailey a secondary school teacher and poet. But I can't see it as a bad thing since the same ease means we hear disadvantaged, marginalized, or otherwise unknown, unknown voices I would have never had a chance to otherwise. Art in any form is always going to be subjective. God damn it, Leah Nicole. Me and you need to go out for drinks. You're amazing. I will say this for all those people who are pissed off that 
Insta poetry and social media has broadened poetry it sounds fucking racist. You have to understand that a lot of these marginalized groups were not heard from at all before social media. And maybe that's how Ruby Cower got big off in the first place. But you know what? You're right. Let's go back to how things were. Where only white dudes and maybe some white chicks got any kind of credit. You're right. We should do that. That's, that's much better. That's, that's a much better way to go. The issue isn't that young poets are sharing their writing online. It's that their work is shared in a vacuum. Explains Yasmin Belker a writer, literary editor, and founder of the literary magazine Winter Tangerine. Ooh, that just sounds like something I want to peel the skin off of and dive into. I'd say that the majority of poetry being written and shared on social media today exists outside of the context of living literary tradition, which doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be terrible, but rather that these poets have no guidance, no inspiration, and no nuance. Again, somebody who thinks they are fucking brilliant is assuming what everyone else is doing. This is what fucking pisses me off so bad. Okay, it's not bad. It just means that these people who aren't me don't have any guidance. They don't have any inspiration or nuance. Of course they have fucking inspiration, you they wouldn't be fucking writing fucking poems if they weren't inspired by something, you fuck. Okay, so let me ask you this. What did you mean by inspiration? Oh, I see. You meant the inspiration that you find acceptable. So fucking dumb, dude. Okay, so I need all the formalist poets out there to write a list of inspirations that they deem acceptable. And they have no nuance. What is nuance? Explain poetic nuance do that because i feel like this is more of a thing you say and then when you say it people go oh yes no nuance i understand again nuance was a word that was brought up in the first paragraph of this shit show of a fucking article do you remember that there's no guidance what does guidance mean oh guidance means having a professor tell you that your poetry is awful over and over and over again until you start writing exactly like the professor. Got it. Okay, so this person is a douchebag. Um, let's let's see what Winter Tangerine is real quick. Winter Tangerine, are you electric? Wow. Oh, they do workshops? Oh, this is just fucking brilliant. Yeah, let's see what the mission is. Winter Tangerine is a literary and arts magazine dedicated to the electric. Okay. Do I want to start talking shit now? We aim to disrupt the status quo. Do you? Because your fucking, like, quote sounded very much quo. Um, to amplify the unheard. To publish the unconventional. Confront the uncomfortable. Marvel in the mundane. We are unapologetic. We firmly believe in the power of art to transform, to heal, to revolutionize. Through issues, columns, live and online workshops, internships and annual awards, a fellowship program, and our Spitfire and Spotlight series, we create the longest run-on sentences in the history of the world. We create dynamic platforms for narratives and voices from traditionally uncentered communities. Oh, they're on hiatus. I would like to know, are you electric? This 
it's just a bunch of this is like more word salad than a fucking insta poet dude this is fucking stupid just because you say you want to disrupt the status quo and do all this shit when you read this where where do you think you're sharing your work okay the problem with online poetry is that their work is shared in a vacuum where the fuck do you think your winter tangerine is being shared are you electric do you think that that's everywhere or do you think it only goes to this small section of people who read your fucking magazine, you douche? I'd say that the majority of poetry being written and shared on social media today exists outside of the context of living literary tradition. Well, don't you want to disrupt the status quo? That sounds like status quo. Okay, oh, but then you say, which doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be terrible. Oh, but rather these poets have no... Go oh, so you want them to sign up for your workshops and give you money so you can tell them, oh, I got it. I understand now. This is this is a money grab for you. For real. Got it. Okay. Um, compact and emotionally simplistic poems are nothing new. Haikus have been around since the 17th century and are still some of the simplest forms of poetry to this day. So you don't have a problem with this. Oh, the problem. Oh, okay. With the cringe poetry being pumped out online is that the work is unspecific and has absolutely nothing unique to say. Bland to a point where anyone could find it relatable. Relatability isn't a bad thing in itself, but if it comes at the cost of a poem actually saying anything, then what's the point? Okay, here's what I'm going to say. They almost make some fucking sense here almost we were this close to actually having me fucking agree with you okay so let's go through this haikus are compact yes i agree with you up top boom okay um the problem with cringe poetry okay here's the here, here's the deal the problem with the cringe poetry when you call something a derogatory name and then try to explain to the reader why it's not very good you're fucking being so overly fucking biased that the reader of this is not going to be able to have, like, a say in this. The cringe poetry. Oh, so the poetry that we're talking about, I need to refer to as cringe in order for us to both know what we're talking about. Jesus fucking Christ. The work is unspecific. And this whole idea about needing something to be unique, everything that has ever been said has already been said. It's just how you say it. Saying something unique is never going to fucking happen again. We're way too far for that. So the days of you finding something new, it might be new to you, but it's not fucking unique. Jesus Christ. Oh. Bland to a point where anyone can find it relatable. But I just want you to know, relatability isn't a bad thing. But if it comes at the cost of the poem actually saying anything, oh, you did that in italics, so I'm supposed to think you're thoughtful now. Oh, okay. Poetry is appealing because it's a medium for unadulterated self-expression. But these poems aren't emotionally vulnerable at all, says Belker. Oh, so this is the fucking, um, the, the spring kumquat lady. Okay, poetry is appealing because it's a medium for unadulterated self-expression. But you want it adulterated. That's the whole fucking thing. But these poems aren't emotionally vulnerable at all. I will say that. I don't think there's enough room to make it emotionally vulnerable. Like with Rupi Cowers, the emotional vulnerability comes in the description afterwards. They're not saying anything. There's nothing at stake. There's no emotional vulnerability. I will agree with that. 
Falcor, I will agree with you there. So that's fine. This is not to say that people need to rip their hearts out for their art or share all personal elements of their lives, but unspecific poems offer nothing to the reader, Falcor adds. I say rip your fucking heart out. Yeah, I think hearts should be ripped out. Blood on the page, guys. Everyone has felt sad. But when you're writing a poem about sadness, you should be answering what sadness feels like to you. Saying, I was sad once, doesn't tell the reader anything, and doesn't offer any new angles or interpretations or understandings of sadness. Here's the thing. I don't think you should be answering any questions in your poetry. Your poetry should be asking questions. So that, I I, I understand where Falcor was going here. But the last thing I want you to do is answer what sadness is to me. I want to be asked a question of what is sadness to me. And then I answer it on my own. I don't need you fucking telling me what it is. Maybe that's the big problem between formal poets and free verse poets. Formal poets want someone to tell them what to do. And free verse poets just want to be asked a question. Falcor stresses that there's absolutely nothing wrong with bad, with writing bad poetry. This is so fucking stupid. Hey, I just bitched about all this stuff for a while, but now I'm going to tell you it's okay. Falcor stresses that there's absolutely nothing wrong with writing bad poetry. That it takes time to perfect. It doesn't. Just like any other art form. It doesn't. Everything I do, every art form I've ever been in, I didn't know what I was doing. I got into it, just went fucking headfirst in like a fucking bull in a china shop, and I mastered it, okay? Because I'm a fucking renaissance man, and I don't give a fuck, all right? All these people who have to work at stuff over and over and over and over and over and over and over again, they were never meant for this. Or they've been so fucking brainwashed that you can't do this right unless you do it 8,000 fucking times. You see what I'm saying? It's a bunch of fucking bullshit. The problem occurs when emotionally lazy, simplistic poetry becomes not just the standard, but the only kind of poetry gaining attention. When it becomes nothing more than just adding line breaks to vaguely emotive sentences. I don't know how many more times I have to fucking explain this shit to you people. What is one word is what gaining attention is? What is that word? Marketing. You are acting like people should, because because simplistic insta-poetry is popular, that people should be flocking to you and your spring kumquats and your formalistic bullshit because that's poetry. So everyone should run to you so you can do this thing and read your poetry. And then they'll see your poetry is better because it follows all the rules. They can see this, but it's not happening. Why is it not happening? Because you don't know how to market your shit. Instead of fighting Instagram, instead of fighting TikTok, use those as tools to get your shit across. You fucking idiots. Why is this so hard for you? Or do you just like feeling superior to everybody? Like, oh, 
these idiots over there on the social meteors. You know, I'll, I'll sit here and feel better about myself with my zero money and my fucking magazine that's been on hiatus since fucking COVID. Idiots, dude. Fucking do something. Learn how to fucking adapt. What's fucking wrong with you people? Because at the end of this whole article, we've been going through this whole thing. And what is the thing at the end? What is the thing that's really bothering them? The problem occurs when I'm going to throw a bunch of things out. Emotional, lazy, simplistic poetry becomes not just the standard, but the only kind of poetry gaining attention. Oh, my God. When it becomes nothing more than just adding line breaks to vaguely emotive sentences. Okay, so I'm going to take out all the words that talk shit on this poetry that is more popular than your poetry and read what you just said. The problem occurs when that is the only kind of poetry gaining attention. That's it. You are sad that other poetry that you find lesser than is more popular than your poetry. What does that tell you? How does natural selection work? How does Darwinianism work? Dinosaurs were way better than us. A T-Rex? That's a big fucking dinosaur. We eat all sorts of shit. Ain't here now. I'm here now. What do you think about that? Okay. What the fuck? You are going extinct. And no matter how much I try to fucking help you, throw you a fucking rope, you just want to sit there and fucking yell that it's happening. No shit it's happening. Do something about it, you fuck. It's not just social media platforms pumping out endless reams of emotionally vacant poetry. Industry gatekeepers have dollar signs in their eyes too. Those fucking bastards. <laughs> Those fucking uncontrollable bastards they're fucking greed okay media literacy is in the toilet and it appears the publishing industry as a whole is in a race to the bottom in their misguided attempts to raise profits by appealing by appealing to the broadest possible demographic possible that's weird says falcor um, this means that not only is bland, uninteresting poetry being shared endlessly across social media, it also being relentlessly peddled to the masses by publishing excess with dollar signs in their eyes. Oh, God. If this doesn't sound like a fucking disgruntled fucking magazine editor whose magazine is not happening right now, um, I don't know what is. So here, let, me, let me explain something to you here. Um, this is like simple economics. Okay. It's something called supply and demand. If there is a demand for a product, you supply that product to the what you called um, masses. And then those masses will give you their green pieces of paper or their, their 16 plastic numbers in order to get that thing. And then more people will want that. And you keep doing that until the supply is greater than the demand. You always want the demand to be greater than the supply, okay? Or at least equal to. But once the supply is greater than the demand, you have nothing. You're, you're, you're behind the wrong horse, okay? So I'm going to guess that Spring Kumquat has more copies than people who read those copies. That's my guess. I'm going to go out on a fucking limb there, okay? That's not how you do business, okay? These people who um, have these big publishing companies that they put out like a gajillion books every year with only one or two of them actually making any money to be able to float the whole company. They need books 
that are going to sell so they can keep their fucking jobs and keep the industry alive. This is so funny. These same people who are like wanting like the fucking big publishers to fucking back them and give them these publishing deals don't understand that if the publishing companies don't have books that sell, there's not going to be publishing companies. These people want to see their fucking books on an end cap at Barnes and Noble so bad that they could feel it in their teeth. But at the same time, if no one's buying books, Barnes and Noble can't sell any books. Barnes and Noble can't sell any books. Barnes and Noble's going to shut down. If Barnes and Noble doesn't have suppliers like the big five or the big four, however we're going to do that now, to give them books to sell, there are not going to be bookstores. You fools, you need to have popular books that the masses are buying up in order for there to be a fucking publishing industry. Since you have obviously decided that you are above lowering yourself to write simplistic poetry, which again, I dare you to do it because if you don't do the marketing behind it, you will still be writing poems to three people and two of them are your mom. Still, poets like Rashid are not too worried about this change. Really? Because that was a long fucking article. Even if they're happy to call out the bastardization of the craft, it simply means poets have more avenues to express themselves in. This is a natural evolution of things, and literary genres become more popular, taking on the everyman flavor, she shrugs. Simply put, there are so many quality lanes now, from cringeworthy to mediocre to excellent. There are more options and more practitioners now. You just have to pick your lane and your people. Um, this pisses me off a little bit here. This person is saying, you know, it's not that bad. It's the bastardization of the craft, but it's not that bad. You know, the th this is funny that they even bring up natural evolution. This is a natural evolution of things and literary genres become more popular, taking on the everyman flavor. She shrugs. Simply put, please explain that more simply because I'm a fucking idiot and I can't understand your big words, you don't. Simply put, there are many quality lanes now. Okay, here's the thing. She's not saying quality lanes. She's saying there's many quality lanes now. Like, lanes of differing quality. Okay? From cringeworthy to mediocre to excellent. Her and her pea-sized brain thinks that she's in the excellent category. And um, the Doobie brother that wrote this article thinks that they're in the excellent category here. Um, Falcor from fucking Spring Kumquat thinks they're in the excellent category here. They think the only one who's actually making any money with their work, Rupi Cower, is in the cringeworthy category. And the girl who's being accused of plagiarism, Alexa, whatever cringeworthy mediocre is basically the people who submit their work to the excellent people and they reject that's how that fucking works this whole thing was a huge pile of bullshit garbage crap and if this fucking douchebag shivani doobie was worth a damn they'd be writing poetry instead of wasting their time with these fucking articles probably what happened um this person was in some cringy ass fucking facebook poet group 
and was bitching about stuff. And then some people said stuff like, I believe we've seen a shift in oversimplification over poetry. Da, 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 da. And then they're like, oh, 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 can I, can I use that in an article? That's a great quote. And then they were still bitching about, oh, God, can I use you? Oh, oh, uh, Falcor. I'll show you. Can I use your quote in my, uh, I'm going to write an article and I'm going to sell it to Vice. And if you haven't noticed through this whole thing, um, I faked my way as an Instagram poet and it went bizarrely well because it's so easy. It's so simple, guys. It's so easy to do. What other stupid... Uh, oh, ChatGPT is pretty bad at poetry, according to poets. Oh, God. Vice knows everything about poetry. Fuck this. Fuck them. All of this boils down to is they're going obsolete. They're going extinct. And if they just fucking took advantage of the tools available to people now, they would probably be doing very well. But they don't know how to do that. They're stuck in their bubble. Okay, the shout-outs on here like it's on the dedication i dedicated this book to everyone from the crew and shit i'm gonna do it all backwards so i want to give the biggest thank you to the number one chappy over there in chapbook of the month club caitlin thank you and caitlin's also the one who sent me this video i want to give a big thank you to those fuckers over in the anarchy crew bunny nate mandy thomas tim j shaylin chill baby tamra adam jh chase tim g thank you guys for fucking your support you guys are awesome and then over in the youtube thank you crew patrick Britt, jan deb ethan julia thank you guys so much and those motherfuckers over on patreon i want to give a big thank you to michael to cedar to harry you guys are the shit kisses to you all poetic anarchy press large and in charge like large marge sent you extra extra it's only five dollars over my etsy shop links down below um winner your mom saw me price for poetry my newest paperback, 150 pages, a ton of poems, some awesome, beautiful shit. That will be out June 15th. Blood Rag, issue 12, out now. And, for those of you who don't know, Blood Rag Poet of the Year, voting has begun. Let Us Bleed, the um, split chapbook with me and Bunny Wild, also over at my Etsy shop. And next week, guys, get ready for it. The first issue of the bloodshed review with poems from Mindy Simmonson and Jeff Taylor and then a special center section chapbook from Shaylin Marks entitled Fornicating with the Elements. It's awesome. Pick this up when it releases. Keep buying my books, everybody. Type hard. Learn how to fucking market stuff, you stupid fucks, and quit fucking thinking your shit don't stink. And I'll talk to you all later. I just want to give a quick thanks to those people who make these videos possible. Anarchy Crew and my followers on Patreon. I appreciate the hell out of you guys. Thank you so much for keeping me going to keep this content possible. You guys are awesome. And if you'd like to join the crew of the Anarchy Crew, just hit the join button beneath this video. And if you'd like to become a member of my Patreon, you can run over to the link down below to do that as well. Thank you.